Hello, and welcome to the Story Wagon Podcast, where we talk about life, story, and spiritual health. I am your host, Chaplain Jose Martinez, and you can learn more about this podcast at our website, storywagon.org. You can also show us your support on our Patreon page so that we can continue to host this podcast and create resources that help our communities develop good spiritual health. Welcome. Welcome to this month's episode of Story Wagon. And today I have a special guest with me. He is the director of spiritual health at uh, Truman Medical Center here in Kansas City, Missouri. And, you know, with all the issues that are going on today, I think today would be a good time to talk about spiritual health and how to be spiritually healthy in isolation. So um, this is Reverend Jeff Howard, a chaplain over at Truman Medical Center. Jeff, welcome. Uh, Thank you. It's nice to be here. Jeff, um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, um, your spiritual journey and how you got to be where you're at right now. Well, I've been a, a chaplain here for 13 years. Um, before that, really felt called to ministry when I was young. Grew up in church, felt called into full-time ministry, had no idea about chaplaincy. I, at the time, most people thought if you are called to ministry, it was at a full-time church pastoral mm-hmm. situation. Uh, it took God a while to lead me the right direction. I delivered oxygen. I, I did all sorts of things incidental to health care, incidental to the needy and when I fully felt my call I, I tried here first through through clinical pastoral education um, this was my practicum and it was a perfect setting and it tied all the different things I'd done in my life together it was really incredible wow that's that's pretty awesome and so through your time you know training with as a chaplain and your CPE um, there's this idea of spiritual health and so within spiritual health what is your definition of spiritual well you know most people tie that into religious things um, and certainly religious is a part of it but but the key foundational pieces I think are, are hope uh, meaning um, what gets us up in the morning what drives us to be who we are uh, and then what what we see as far as hope for the future. For one person that might be you know, a nice retirement account or things like that, but I think for most people they have a much deeper hope which is t- ties into how people are in the world, how we treat each other, how we care for each other. Um, when we see someone who's struggling, how do we treat that? There's a lot of hope in that I think. Yeah. Um, so with that in mind, how we treat each other, how we treat ourselves sort of thing, and especially this time with you know, the coronavirus um, and the isolation and the quarantining and that sort of thing. How do you, what are some things that people can do to help them to stay spiritually healthy? Well, that's a great question because I think a lot of people feel overwhelmed right now. Uh, The information that's out there is, is too much for people to absorb, but it's critical to know what you need to know. So it's important to know who to go to, to look at, to know how do I keep myself healthy and well and safe and yet continue to to practice my spirituality of at least making sure everyone else is okay that I can. Mm-hmm. Um, some things, fasting from the media, fasting from the places that cause you anxiety, stress, those sorts of things. 
is a very important thing, I think, right now. Just making sure you're giving yourself time to be calm and peaceful. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing is um, when you feel anxiety, making sure that you're have a practice in mind that will help you, whether it's through prayer, through meditation, um, shutting things down intentionally when you know things are getting anxious, when you know your anxiety is up. Um, some things things to do, I think, is find ways to provide care for other people. Now, my, my wife uh, has been donating to a local food pantry in the small town we live in, mm. and so she's been dropping by every day, and they're just loving it they're not she's not giving them a ton of things but one day they needed uh sacks to to make lunches for the uh families one day day they needed some canned goods that just wasn't on the regular thing so it really wasn't a huge investment but it was things she could just drop off and and not worry about being exposed um other things we had uh, uh church yesterday on skype which was fun it was just peaceful to see the people we love the people in the congregation Mm -hmm. and for us all to be able to talk to each other for a little bit yeah that's that's awesome so with you know we talked about anxiety within that especially now that uh you know the coronavirus is very you know can spread pretty much anywhere anytime it could last on surfaces for long periods of time um there's people out there that are still working you know, and there's a lot of anxiety behind that. And how do you help um, you know, when you talk to the doctors and nurses and things like that? Um, how do you help them like go through that anxiety to continue to be who you know to treat people well and you know that sort of thing? How do you how do you how do you go through that to help them ease their anxiety in that? Well, one of the things is to just make sure that they have someone who can listen and uh, talking about my fears naming my fears is a powerful thing to to uh, controlling or or reducing the anxiety around those fears Mm -hmm. Um, it's a strange world we live in right now because we really won't know till we look backwards exactly everything about this Mm -hmm. this is the first time we've dealt with this and I think in most of our lifetimes this is the first time we've ever dealt with something this large this severe and so a part of it is um, keeping in practice one day at a time and helping people get into that moment where they can slow down and talk about what's really bothering them, but let the rest of the world pass by for a moment and just focus on one specific thing. Mm. No, that's great. Yeah, um, having that focal point. And the reason why I'm asking this, because right now we're going through so much change and to me, with all this change, there's going to be like a grieving moment. And in particular, you know, after we look back on this, there's going to be a lot of loss of life. You know, in, a, in our profession, we deal with grieving and people lo- with loss. And, um, I, you know, I, we don't know how it's going to affect the, our society. But again, I think it's going to be a great loss to a lot of people who are going to be touched by this by either uh, losing their the way that they lived before uh, because maybe they were out of employment and lost the house or some you know something along those lines or if they lost a loved one to this virus and so um, <clears throat> what would be your um, your counsel 
to those who are going to be grieving in that in that manner. Well, one thing um, there's a there's a thing called disenfranchised grief, which is things that people don't feel like they are allowed to grieve, and there's going to be a lot of things that we need to grieve. Some of them will be very recognized, like loss or loss of a house or loss of a job, uh, an entire way we change of the way we do things. And some will be minor um, in people's eyes, but it'll be major for people. Um, loss of the ability to have the mobility they once had. People are going to go through the coronavirus and recover, but have severe kidney functions issues where they're going to have to have dialysis. Wow. And um, that's a huge thing. But most people will say, well, you got through it. You're, you're better. And it's like, no, my whole life has changed. I live a different way than I used to did. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing is important is to acknowledge that grief and to legitimize in your mind. It's okay for you to grieve it, um, to name it, even to have a sort of ceremony. We will have funerals for those who've died. We'll have um, certainly acknowledgments for people who've lost some things, but... For that person, it's okay to say, my life isn't the same way it was, and that stinks. Mm-hmm. It's important to, to acknowledge that you love the way that your life used to be, and now it's different in ways that you don't love anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Wow. And so, you know, I think as a nation, we'll, we'll be doing that. And if you're one of the f- people that haven't dealt with that, you know, I'm wondering what can we do to help the community because eventually we'll be able to interact with people face to face. And if if you're talking to someone that that didn't experience that loss but knows people that experienced that loss, how would you tell them to help? How to help? Like, what are ways they can help? Well, that's a great question. Um, before I started in chaplaincy, the things that people always said was was you know to say nice things, but but to not get too close. Or a lot of people are afraid to come to people and talk to them when they, because they don't want to remind them of the loss. I think one thing that's important is to know that it's okay to acknowledge to someone that they have legitimately lost something. It's not going to make them sadder. It's going to allow them to to express that. And then um, there's really not anything nice that you can say to help them. The thing that you do will actually help them is to know that you care and you're there for them and you're available mm-hmm. whether or not you understand and that's one of those phrases that doesn't really help a lot if if I say I understand what you're going through because we're all unique mm-hmm. none of us really completely understand yeah but if I say I understand that you're going through something terrible and I'm here for you it's a much better way of them hearing I may or may not understand what you're going through but I know you're having a hard time and I'm here for you yeah Wow, yeah. And so um, I'm wondering, like, what could that look like presently, especially with so many hospitals that are, um, you know, keeping visitors out because, you know, protecting the patient and protecting the staff and even protecting the visitors themselves of not being able to come into the hospital and visit their loved ones or friends or family, whatever. Um, How would you say, how can you provide spiritual support if you have a family member that's in a hospital or some sort of facility like the hospice care and that sort of thing, and you can't go visit them. It's a huge challenge. If by telephone you can talk to people, I think that's probably the best way to do that right now because you're absolutely right. It's critical that people not be exposed to the virus who are, who are sick or that their care providers uh, become exposed to the virus 
because we have so many people on the front lines of caring for people who are sick, and each time one of them gets the, the coronavirus, then it limits the number of people we have who can actually help. Mm-hmm. Um, phone calls are wonderful. Um, any way of contacting without physical contact is, is not a bad thing. It's just hard to be creative with that. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're well enough that they're alert and responsive, um, there's some great Skype is, is like we did with our church and things like that, or FaceTime or things like that. Um, if they're not responsive, it's more challenging. I would say a good old-fashioned card with, with a heartfelt note. Although, uh, depending on the facility, they might be concerned about possible contamination that way. Mm-hmm. So I would check with each facility before you would send a card. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's definitely good. Uh, especially now, you know, my wife works at the at Hallmark, cor- yeah. <laughs> corporate office and they're, and they're doing the um, quarantining themselves. So, uh, but they still have their product out there in stores. So if you couldn't go buy them, that'd be great. There you go. <laughs> Maybe a Hallmark e-card. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so, wow. So those are all very good tips on helping through this time. And <clears throat> you mentioned uh, the whenever you're having anxiety, there's the fasting uh, from the media. There's yes. fasting. There's even, you know, physical food fasting, you know, since mm-hmm. we're in the time of Lent. Um, there's prayer, meditation uh, as a spiritual discipline to help you through the anxiety. Um is there anything else that you think that would be very helpful in that? Well, one thing I think it's important, even though we're being socially distanced from each other, is as much connectivity as you can have with other people. And that might be through those electronic means that we've been telling millennials not to do for years now. <laughs> um, or uh, connecting with them by doing something that doesn't expose you or them to risk, but you know is actually helping a person. I think that's a huge thing. When you talk about endorphins, when you talk about um, positive energy, positive thoughts, that's going to help you a lot. Uh, even if it's uh, as simple as, as you see your neighbor's trash can, glove up, put a mask on maybe. I don't know. You'll have to weigh that out if you're healthy. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but uh, try not to connect with them personally, but make sure that you make a connection with them from a distance, personally. Right, right, right. So not like physical, physical contact, you right, know, that sort of thing. Right. And speaking of physical, um, you know, as we we talk about spiritual health, you know, in its own dimension, that it's interrelated with other dimensions of health, psychological health, emotional health, and physical health. Um, are there things that people can do physically to help them, um, you know, kind of help them boost in that spiritual health? Domain. Sure. I think the body, the mind, and the spirit are all interconnected. So every piece of the three that you make stronger um, helps the other two. And so uh, physical exercise is a great thing. Uh, it's harder now with the gyms and everything closed down, but mm-hmm. maybe taking a walk. If you have a dog, and take your walk on a dog, or dog on a walk. <laughs> <laughs> um, then also, uh, don't just sit in a chair. There's things around the house to do. It'll help you to do some of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I have. I talked to a friend today. She was explaining that how she's utilizing some of prayer posturing, you know, different mm. postures to help her in, in prayer, and that that's in itself physical. 
that's great. Yoga, yoga is a great, you know, kind of like thing. It's therapeutic and um, and the posing and different poses and things like that. So I, those are kind of things that I also think of too. Um, <clears throat> so uh, when when a person's feeling like they're in a crisis um, on emotional or psychological and connected with the spiritual um, to seek help in this time what are some of the things that you think a person can do to go seek those those resources is there is there anything that you're aware of that that could help a person through that kind of crisis well there's certainly in each community there are resources available and you can um, look that up online through through um, the local community mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a, a great thing to do. It'll be a great place to get information on what's going on so you feel like you are empowered to know, hey, I'm having XYZ symptom. Who do I call? Who do I talk to? Don't go to the hospital. You'll, they'll be overwhelmed. But call the appropriate lines at each hospital and uh, make sure they have you have the information you need to know you're okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Continue to to call the places online to make sure that they're still open, still working, because a lot of has changed and shifted over the last few weeks, mm-hmm. and so they might have updates that would be very helpful uh, to know what's going on in, at this moment. For crisis hotlines, I would highly recommend if you're you feel like you're overwhelmed, if you feel like you have thoughts of, of harming yourself or anyone else, I definitely think it's important to call that in as immediately or as soon as possible. And uh, if there's a pastor or a minister out there who's, who's getting calls of concern, make sure that you don't wait. Make sure that, that those things get uh, addressed immediately. Mm. And then one piece, um, we all have layers of who we've been over the years. And as We've done things in life that we regret or that we feel guilt or that we feel um, disappointment about ourselves that it's been hard to forgive. We carry that with us. And then as we go, I think when things like this happen, it can become overwhelming. So one thing I think it's healthy to do, it's good to do, is to look back at your life and say, are there unresolved spiritual issues that I need to be dealing with addressing with, talking to my pastor on the phone about, um, or finding a place of peace, finding a a spiritual place where you can go to to address those issues Mm -hmm. rather than allowing them to be carried anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's that's for anybody that's, um, doesn't matter what their religious preference is. Absolutely. Yeah, because these things can cross, they're like... Whether a pastor and a mom, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's uh, an elder um, or just a spiritual guide or, or someone that you trust, uh, I would I would say this for someone who's who's Christian or Buddhist or atheist or any self-identified spiritual path that there has to be someone who you trust who can listen and both be non-judgmental and also discerning for you mm-hmm. and uh, it's important it's critical to to lay out exactly what you feel like you can't forgive yourself for mm. and to let them explore that with you and in the process of that you'll find peace mm. that is so good 
Yeah. Um, so as, as, as we're dealing with all this, so we've talked about different spiritual disciplines again. That one to me sounds like more of a, a confession, maybe, or storytelling yes. um, in, in that sense. So that, that is really, really good. Um, are there any other last points that you would like to tell us before we end this episode? Well, one thing is, is take each day at a time. Uh, make sure that you have everything you need to the amount that you can do it. And don't be afraid to contact local resources. Uh, because this is going to be a day-by-day, a step-by-step. The more centered you are, the more you're going to be able to get through this as healthy as possible. Mm. And uh, the resources are there for each of us to hold each other up. Uh, we cannot get through this alone. Even though we're socially isolated, we're going to do this together. Mm, yeah. Wow, Jeff. Well, thank you so much for um, coming on to the podcast and uh, interviewing from your perspective as, as the director of spiritual health here at, at the hospital. So I hope this is beneficial for you, the listeners. Uh, again, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for inviting me. And on that note, we'll call that a wrap for this episode of Story Wagon. I want to thank you, the listener, for supporting us and listening to this episode. And if you want, please follow us on any social media platform and type in StoryWagon. You can also visit us at our website, storywagon.org. And so, with that, this is Chaplain Jose Martinez wishing you good spiritual health.